This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here, we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today, and we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. This episode of the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast is brought to you by the Creative Writing Community. I started the creative writing community for writers of all levels. Ultimately, writing is something we do up in our office, all alone with our computers or paper and pen. So what could a writing community do for a writer, you might ask? The answer is a lot. In the creative writing community, we sprint several times a week, which is how I'm getting upwards to 30,000 words a month while traveling and having three kids at home. We also gather together to brainstorm problem areas in our stories or in our marketing, as well as share what we've learned. And we have master classes where experts come in and talk to us about what they know about the publishing and writing industry. And that happens one to sometimes twice a month. We also have the private Slack community where we can share articles and tidbits about our novels and really become friends who are interested in seeing everyone do well in their writing and their publishing career. Writing doesn't have to be a lonely job. If you're looking for a writing community, I invite you to try us out. Head on over to catcaldwell.com and click on creative writing community, or you can head straight on over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing community. And just a heads up, admissions closing in October. We really want to gather together and be a community and be bonded together. And for that, we're just going to have to close the community for a couple months at a time. So if you want a community through the winter to help you get writing and possibly finish that book, or maybe two, head on over and sign up. If you have questions, shoot me a question. I am completely open and available to any questions you might have. We will close in October and we won't open again until April. So I highly encourage you to check us out. Happy Monday, everybody. This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, episode number 98. It is September 13th, 2021. So two years ago, I started the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast on a whim, more or less. I decided I was going to start a podcast, decided on the name Pencils and Lipstick, at which Some people whom I call friends laughed, (laughs) but I still like it, and I'm glad that I stuck with it. And I put out a call on a Facebook writing group asking if anybody would like to be on the podcast to be interviewed, and David Rawlings answered the call, which lit a fire under my butt to, you know, get some equipment and figure out what I was doing. I had a little bit of experience having tried and failed to do a podcast with a friend, So I wasn't completely new, at least I thought so, but it definitely sent me on a journey and it was fun for, as you know, if you've been listening for almost a year and a half, about a year and a half, I exclusively interviewed all creatives because I really, really believe that creativity and artistry is very important in this world. And now as I came back from Spain in 2021. At the end of July, I decided to do this season going into the third year of exclusively writers and writing. 
because I'm very interested in how we can develop our craft better. I believe that we do that through listening to other writers, other people who are in the publishing world. And I believe that we need to develop our craft more. I didn't always believe that. I kind of had this false sense of we should just intuitively know a lot of writing, (laughs) about writing. Of course, I now believe that I was wrong about that. So today I have Paulette Perhash on the show. She is found at PaulettePerhash.com. Of course, the links will be in the show notes. She she had a viral post um, story go out in 2016 that she will talk about, which led to her being published in the New York Times, Vox, L, Slate, Yoga Journal, just to mention a few. She wrote Welcome to the Writer's Life in 2018, which was selected as Poets and Writers, um, one of their best books for writers. I have it right here. It is a very, very cute book. I love the illustrations. But do not let cuteness deceive you at all. It is packed full of really great information, really great knowledge, really great tips on how to live the writing life. And I wanted to have her on because this is really a lot about what we're talking about. She talks about, you know, how you have to have discipline, how you have to read, how you have to create a business around it, how you, you know, create a life around it. So it's a really great book. Of course, the link will be in the show notes. I encourage you to get it. You are going to use it a lot. There are quotes from other writers. There are like, do an experiment in which she tells, you know, grab a piece of paper and write about this or that. There's quite a few of those throughout the book. She gives a lot of references on where you can write and what other books and podcasts and all these things that you can do to get better at your craft. She is a big believer in that, which is awesome. And, you know, so I guess we're kind of kindred spirits on that. So she also started a very important meeting, which is a pay as you see fit online meditation and free writing community. If you go over there, please pay her accordingly as she sets up these free writing sprints. There's quite a few to choose from. It's pretty awesome. She also has the welcome to the writers life.com where you can find a year's worth of writing prompts. If ever you feel, you know, lacking an idea, I guess. So again, all of these links will be in the show notes. She has tons to talk to us about today. She is very, very honest and very funny. She is a very, a funny writer, something that I aspire to be. <laughs> I would love to add some humor to my writing. She has a great way of looking at life, a little bit satirical, and she just really, you know, fell headlong into the writing life and isn't shy about the ups and the downs. And I think it's really awesome. As I was going through this week, um, doing some writing sprints with the creative writing community and bringing out my mini prompted writing sprint course, which if you didn't hear about last week, I suggest that you hear about it, (laughs) that you go get it. I have heard some feedback on it that people have really enjoyed it, which, you know, always makes my heart do a happy dance. So it's free. It's five days of video prompts. You get to hear me talk a little bit more about five minutes, and then you are set free to just write for 10 to 15 minutes, whatever you choose. 
about the prompt. You can do it whether you're a fiction writer or a non-fiction writer. But as I was getting that out and doing writing sprints with the group and getting ready for Jeff Elkins to come in to the group next week, which is super exciting, we were talking a bit about just like being stressed out and feeling the rush and the hurry in this writing world. You know, it is very in right now to um, rapid release. And it is like you feel this need to get tons and tons of books out. We always speculate in the creative writing community, like how do people get all of this writing done? There's lots of theories. And of course, there are some authors who who tell us how they do it. Although I always wonder, (laughs) they're just marketing geniuses, I guess, or concentration geniuses. Maybe that's what it is. They can concentrate better. I mean, we get tons of writing done in the creative writing community during our sprints, but it never seems like enough. Like in the United States, you always feel like you're, you're a little bit behind, right? I don't know. That's how I feel. So I want to ask you, how do you feel? Do you feel this need to keep up with the rapid releasing crowd? Are you more like one of, uh, one of the ladies in the group that says, you know what? I just really want to write a good book and it's okay if it takes longer. Like I'm okay with that. Are you in between? I would love to hear from you. Honestly, I feel the rush. I feel like I should get more out. I also feel good when I'm writing. And so that might be part of it. I'm trying to like figure out the balance there between like, I would just rather sit all day and write and, you know, the balance of that. And like, it's not healthy to just sit down and write all day. (laughs) I also have to move my body and, you know, maybe say hi to my husband and kids every once in a while. And friends. I mean, what are those, right? (laughs) I got to say hi to my friends. So, you know, I definitely feel this sort of stress and this rush. And as I come out with my third novel this year, I have to, you know, do a little bit of a happy dance. So far, I have managed to get out one novel every two years. And honestly, when I started out like 10 years ago, really trying to focus and be serious about pursuing writing as a career. I didn't think I'd even get that far. So I have to, you know, pat myself a bit on the back and celebrate that, have a glass of wine in my honor, you know, so 2017, I came out with stepping across the desert, which I relaunched with a beautiful new cover this past summer in 2019. I came out with an audience with the King and a new way to journal and then started this podcast. That was a great year. And then during COVID, I got coffee stains finished and it is coming out. And so, you know what? I'm super happy with that. And I don't want to take away my happiness and my sense of accomplishment by looking at other people and seeing that they've gotten 12 books out in the last 12 months. (laughs) I don't want to compare myself to that. Although, you know, it's hard not to sometimes. So that's my question to you. You can find me on Instagram at catcaldwell.author. You can find me on Facebook at catcaldwellauthor. And you can find me on locals at cat underscore caldwell. I would love to hear what your thoughts are. If you are interested in joining us in the creative writing community, you can head on over to catcaldwell.com. We are going to have some wonderful people coming in and talking to us. Paulette is going to come talk to us a little bit about business of writing. Uh, We have Jeff Elkins coming in next week. We have Book Brush coming in. 
we are, yeah, we're having a lot of wonderful people. So head on over to catcaldwell.com and find out more that's right at the top where you just click and you find out more there and enjoy this interview with Paulette Perhash. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. Today, I'm excited to have Paulette Perhatch on the show. I first was introduced to her, I believe, last January, but I think she has a fantastic story as a writer. Um, She has been published in the New York Times, Vox, Elle, Slate, Cosmopolitan, Glamour, Marie Claire, Yoga Journal, McSweeney's Internet Tendency, Hobart, and Vice. Oh my gosh, that's a really long list. Hi, Paulette. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. That is quite the impressive list that you have there. Oh, thank you. I got to have a little moment in the sunshine in 2016 where I was little, you know, I was like a viral, viral writer lady. So that was fun. <laughs> that's when I gathered most of those. Well, that's <laughs> awesome though. But I mean, you say 2016, but you became a Jack Straw Fellow in 2021. You've definitely continued this career of writing. So um, I wanted to have you on because I want to talk to you about your writing career. What kind of set you in motion for writing and you know, your book and a couple other things. So if you don't mind, would you introduce people to you? Give us a little bit of a background. Sure. I'm a writer and writing coach who lives in Seattle, Washington. And I grew up in Florida and told my best friends at the bus stop in fifth grade, I wanted to be a writer. And my best friend said, do you have any idea how hard that is? (laughs) And I did not. And she was totally right. And so I went into journalism at first and didn't quite feel right in that role and joined Peace Corps. And while I was in Peace Corps, I saw a young woman selling something on a bus. Many people sold many things on a bus. And this young woman happened to be selling her poems. And that was just kind of this moment of like, where I just said to myself, like, you wuss, just be a writer already. Like, you know, you want to be a creative writer, just be a creative writer. (laughs) So ever since then, I've been working on creative writing and supporting myself as a creative writer. (laughs) And those two things pretty much take up all of my time. Yes. Yes, (laughs) they do. They took up all of our time, don't they? So why do you think that your first thought was like, you're a wuss? Like, what is it about writing that, I don't know, scares us so much sometimes? It was that like, what if I try to be a writer and I don't win the Pulitzer Prize? Like that will be so embarrassing, right? If I, if I try to be a writer and I'm not one of the greatest voices in literature ever, you know? And so here was this writer who was doing her work and getting it out in the world on this scale that was real and, you know, just like doing the thing, right? And she didn't say like, what if I want to be a poet and I never win the Pulitzer? She's just like, I'm writing poems and I'm going to sell them where people are. I'm going to get them out of the world in a small way. Right. So, yeah, I think it was this like ego thing of like, what, and that's the fear. Like, what if I try really hard and I dedicate my life to this and it goes nowhere? Yes. Yes. How embarrassing. (laughs) I think that's why it's hard to at first or even at last tell people that you're a writer. Like I remember wanting to tell one of my first boyfriends, I'm a writer and like feeling, I don't know, like 
shocked that I even said it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. In my book, I encourage people to, to say it out loud as soon as you can, and then you get used to it. And then it just becomes part of, you know, you shape the way that you're perceived. And that's why I like to write first thing in the morning, because then for that whole day, I get to, I get to be a writer because I had written. Yes. And so that's true. The doubt can come back tomorrow, you know? And I just remember the first time I love writing at like music festivals and I was jotting down notes at a music festival. And I heard my friends say, someone was like, Oh, what is she doing? And my friend said like, Oh, she's a writer. That's going to become like essays and stuff. And I was like, Oh oh my God, I've tricked everyone into thinking I'm a writer. Merely by writing every day. Ha 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 ha. You know, <laughs> like I love, every day ish is what I say. Yes. I go for every, every day ish. Yes, it's a good goal to go to. So what was it like when you are in the Peace Corps? I assume you you were outside of the US because the US one's called something else, right? Yes. Forget what it's called. Yes, I was in South America. South America. So you're far away from home. Did you start writing like right away? Like I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna write about my experience here. Yeah. You know, I started a blog, which I think is just the best thing to do because you're just like, you know, as far as everyone else at home was concerned, it was just kind of proof of life. But then I had this canvas set up and then you, you fill it with something, right? You tell a story just actually this week, last weekend, I went on my first backpacking trip ever and it was four days. And this week I've been posting like a, a 10 photo slide for each day of the hike and just telling the little story of that day. And it just reminds me of that time where it's like, this isn't for anything. This is like just storytelling. And, you know, I really cherished that blog because it was the thing that got me writing. And actually I wrote this blog. And then six years later, the Huffington Post saw something that I posted on that blog and wanted to publish it. And so way before I thought anyone might want to publish my writing, I was writing something that was publishable by the Huffington Post. I just had no idea. That's really cool. I remember starting a blog and hoping nobody would read it. <laughs> I mean, it's very easy to have no one read your yes, blog. Yes, it is very That's easy. the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> you don't have to hope. <laughs> We're showing all of our insecurities here as a writer. So what what did your um, family do? I mean, you're a journalist, right? By trade, technically, at that point. You got a degree in journalism. Um, is that what they assumed you were going to go into? Yes, I got a degree in magazine journalism. and. You know, I remember talking to Roy Peter Clark, who's quite a famous writer in the journalist world. He works at Pointer. And I was like deciding whether or not to join Peace Corps was like this six month long anxiety attack. And I talked to him about it and he's like, you know, it's not the journalist route to join Peace Corps. Like if that is an alternate route, it's not like going deeper into a journalism career. And I really appreciated that advice. And he was right. But it was the thing for me to do and the thing that I wanted to do. And I think even if I had continued in journalism, Mm. I would have done that. But I am, yeah, like you said, like way too insecure and sensitive. I'm not an investigative reporter. Like, and I, having even dabbled in the tiniest way in that, I see how strong journalists have to be. And there's just like, I have some like super tough kick-ass friends. And those are the kinds of people we need to be journalists. I'm like, I'm just going to sit in the corner and write about my feelings. That's cool. (laughs) That's like my role in this world. So I had to figure that out. And it was so funny as I was doing journalism, writing feature stories, I wanted to get more and more creative. You know, I wrote a story in like second person and stuff in the newspaper, which was awesome that they let me try that and experiment a bit, but just really realized that that wasn't my path. I was more of a creative writer. And now I do do feature stories still, which because I'm just a super curious person. So I love that. 
But yeah. So I do a lot of different genres and styles. Right. So the journalism degree, I guess, helped. I mean, it wasn't a throwaway degree, obviously. It it helped. No, no. I mean, it was so interesting. I mean, journalism, I've never had writer's block because you just can't have writer's block, right? So I would come back from a story and maybe not know what to write, but it was due in three hours. And so first thing you do is just copy everything out of your notebook, right? Onto the, you know, Word doc. And then I would just write it as badly as possible. Like there was an accident. It happened at 2 p.m. Two people were hurt, right? Just like you got to keep moving. You can't, you can't stand still. So even if you don't know what to write, you can still write. And so that was a great skill to learn. Yeah. I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking that's probably a skill most writers be it fiction or creative, they probably need. We 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 tend to have this reputation mm-hmm. of um, sitting around a lot, complaining about how we don't write. Yeah. If you're ever on Instagram and you follow hashtag writer life or something, oh yeah, <laughs> like, I got that. We're just like, I'll complain about that too. <laughs> like my cat, look at my cute cat. Oh my gosh, I should be writing right now. Yeah, and but you write that like that's what you write. Like wow, I'm really bored today. My brain sucks. I don't know. But then you get bored of yourself. So like half a page down, you're like, all right. I mean, there was this essay I kind of wanted to write about X, Y, Z. I guess I'll do that. (laughs) This is my writing time. And I said, I'd write three pages, blah, blah, blah. So yes, you have a book called Welcome to the Writer's Life. When did this get done? Welcome to the Writer's Life. At what point, like in your writing career, I guess. It was in 2018 and I'm laughing because just this morning, like I'm, I'm shopping around for places to live. And just this morning, I happened to see that the building where I lived during that year of writing that a uh, place came open six. I mean, it's this tiny little building. I lived in a, in a tiny place. If anyone's seen my author's photo where I'm like jumping with sunglasses on inside, that's the tiny place. I lived in a 150 square foot apartment. I worked from 8 a.m. till 8 p.m. every single day. I made no money. It was just like, I was like in it. It was the year of the grind. That's what I called it. And um, so I had written a course for writers. I had an article go viral in 2016. And it was pretty funny that year. I wrote a book proposal, which is a lot of work, like three months of work, 95 pages. And I sold a book and they weren't the same book. So I wrote a book proposal, that book didn't sell. And then Sasquatch, my publisher just came to me and said like, Hey, do you have any nonfiction book ideas? And we, so we based my book off the course that I'd done for writers. So you spent three months writing a book proposal that didn't get picked up. Yeah. That, and I think, I think that will, (laughs) I think it will kind of like come out in the future in another form, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you have to totally be willing to do, you know, people will say like, never work for free. I'm like, ha 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 ha. You know, you have to be willing to do all kinds of crazy stuff that might never go no- anywhere. Might never go nowhere. I almost just said, yep. <laughs> yep. I'm <all> right. <laughs> hey, I have I never go nowhere. I corrected somebody last week. It said, I'm a writer. I'm good at writing it on pages. That doesn't mean that I'm good at speaking it in the moment. So it's completely different. So did you know that, I mean, your fifth grade friend, which I don't know how they knew this, that it was going to be a hard life. But I think a lot of people, first of all, that's why they never get really to the actual published writer. Like it is hard. It's it's yeah. hard, a lot of work for sometimes maybe years into the future, you know, give back. 
We're really good with our words today, right? <laughs> um, well, actually, my best friend's grandma was a romance novelist. Oh, there you go. So she was amazing. So that was, I mean, that must have had a lot of impact on me to, to know someone who was like, oh, these filthy, filthy narratives come from this woman who makes us uh, chocolate you know, chip cookies. <laughs> a great beef jerky. That's awesome. And yeah. Yeah. So she saw it behind the scenes, yeah. but her grandma was awesome. She didn't become a writer until she was in her sixties and wrote her first book just on a legal pad and it got picked up. So just one of those really cool stories. Her name was Connie Mason. That's an amazing story. And <laughs> yeah, it was pretty amazing. So it didn't look very hard. Yeah. From her perspective. Well, all you do is write um, a book on a legal pad and then a publisher yeah, will just appear and want to write, you know, publish that yeah. and all the subsequent novels. It's like what everyone thinks being a writer is, but it it only is that for like 0.1% of people. This is true. So yeah, I mean, it, it's just, you kind of, it's not, there's like this line that is so invisible between like, what is your work and what is your lifestyle? Mm. So that kind of stuff, my novel that I get up and write, that's like my lifestyle. And I have to remind myself, I started getting up at five in the morning, which I know you're, you're anti- And I was like, I've got to get this freaking novel done. And what is the one thing I haven't tried getting up at five in the morning to work on it? I never wanted to be that person. And yet here I am. But it's like when the alarm goes off at five, I'm like, you're doing, you do this for fun. You choose this. This is fun. (laughs) There is is no sign. I am not anti. I simply have not been able to create that discipline yet because my brain is mush literal mush in the morning and I hit the alarm and I say, why did I set this alarm? And I can't remember. Yeah. What did I, what was it in? I, my brain is ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. I'm kind of like chronically a morning person, you know, in college I would, my first semester I was like, I'm going to schedule all my classes for noon and teach myself to sleep in. I put aluminum foil over my windows and I was still waiting outside the Ross dress for less at 845 with the other you know, retired women waiting for it to open because I've been up for like two hours already. So, well, that helped. I just have a problem. That helped. I know it, it was not very fun in college because I knew the person passing out at all the parties at like midnight, but it's good for the rest of your life. So that's good, I guess. Yes. All the, all the books I read tell me to wake up at five and maybe some decade I will get into that. I will somehow figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> My husband hit the forties and like all of a sudden wakes up and I'm like, what? Can this happen to me, please? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're writing, the, I mean, this book, so you're writing this book while writing essays, basically. You were doing two yeah. things at once. And Oh, yeah. I'm always doing like a thousand things at once. <laughs> yes. Let, the, let, let it be noted. Most writers are doing five things at once. Yeah. So this, I mean, this is a really detailed and I, there's so much information in this book. Like at first, when you pick it up, I I don't know about you, but sometimes I pick up courses or people's, you know, writing things or whatever. And it just sort of says like this basic hazy outline of what you should or, you know, I don't know, wake up and write and something. I don't know. But you have tons (laughs) of details in here. So can you tell us a little bit about like the process of writing this book, why you wanted to, I mean, I guess if a publisher comes to you and asks you to write it, you probably say yes. <laughs> I like, <laughs> guess I'll figure that out. But did you have like all this information lying around or how was it writing this? Was it a, a long time, a lot of research? Was it 
fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I was, you know, I had on like a 50 pound pack of imposter syndrome because, you know, I'm not Stephen King or whatever. I'm like, I'm just like some chick hanging around wanting to be a writer. And because I happened to live just six blocks from a writing center in Seattle, when I moved here 10 years ago, I learned so much because I got to know a Mm. bunch of successful writers and, you know, successful, like they're doing the thing, right? We're all on the bus selling our poems. Like we're just doing it. Like, and every now and then someone breaks out, you know, like Maria Semple lives in Seattle and you'll see like a few people and you're like, oh yeah, like, Hey, you really made it, you know, but they're not that different from everyone else who's just doing the thing. Yeah. And you don't know who's going to pop out. Right. So it was so cool. I really just wanted to package up what I had learned from my community. And I also am an organizational nerd. And I figured out why this very week, actually, uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD oh, there like this week, <laughs> oh, my gosh. which is like, once I got that diagnosis, I was like, and I started looking at it, I was like, oh my God why do I, why I'm 39 years old. Why am I just finding this out right now? Right. And the guy who gave me the test is like, do you have a problem with the organization? I was like, not now that I dedicated like a decade of my life figuring it out. Cause I was like in my, it just got to be like untenable. It was terrible. I couldn't finish anything. Like, so I actually designed this, basically this like piece of software that's a Google add-on for writers called the writer's mission control center that organizes everything around being a writer because, and I was like, Oh, it all makes sense now. (laughs) So, um, but basically now you can say like, it's basically written by somebody with ADHD for probably most of us have something like that. Yeah. Uh, That's amazing. I'm going to have to check out this tool because sometimes I feel like I'm walking in circles. Oh yeah. So I have a, a two hour course called you've got to get your writing life organized. And I teach it and help people set up their writer's mission control center because it's just so funny. It's just so funny how you can have this set of traits. And I'm listening to a great book right now. I believe it's called The ADHD Advantage. And, you know, it's like, it's so great. It's the reason, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a writer. I have all these great ideas. Like, it's the same thing. So, like, I'm really big into not hating yourself Mm -hmm. around being scatterbrained. It's like, if you were a linear thinker, you probably wouldn't come up with all your incredible story ideas, right. you know? Right. So there's like a lot of self-compassion and self-care that I was unable to give myself in my 20s when I was like spending all my money impulsively and doing all other kind of stuff impulsively, you know, my little eBay addiction of 2001. So, you know, it just, it helps to have a label and to yes. be like, and a label maker, literally. <laughs> um, <laughs> But now at least I can say like, oh, I need this before I would just say, I don't know why I need a lot of help. And I give it to myself. Like I finally hired an admin person. That's been a game changer. And, you know, and that took me 10 years into my career. It's not like, well, I just have an admin person took a long time. And, but now I can just say, okay, so I have ADHD and because of that, I need this kind of help. And I need to like, put my little wild brain in this corral and say, you can can run around this corral, but you can't go wild and run off into the jungle, which it likes to do sometimes. Yes. So it's, it seems like you kind of got all of this crash course of how to not only write and make a writing life, but like a career, like how do you, Mm -hmm. how you are self-sustained on writing, like you just got in it. And then once you got in it, you just had all this knowledge and you're like, I should probably tell other writers 
<laughs> Otherwise, they're, this is why they're not going to get anywhere if they don't know any of these things. Because you are really big on like, sit down and write. Like it might take, and you're so real in this book too. Uh, like it might take <laughs> you two years to finish this one essay. It doesn't mean that you're not writing other things on the side. Yeah. Like you need to read, you need to find, you know, mentors, whether that's on the internet or in books or whatever. So was this like, it sounds to me like it was like a crash course of you just living through it. That kind of right. Yeah. You know, I think that it's like, you have to, so when you come into the writing world, you know, there's so many people and it's so easy Mm -hmm. to say everyone's, everyone's a writer. And especially when you kind of want to make some kind of living off some aspect of being a writer, helping writers, there's so many things that that people do and services that people offer. It's easy to feel like there's no room, right? My place that I found my niche is like, I love systems. I love organization. I love software. In my college, you could get out of taking foreign language by taking computer classes. So I took three semesters of personal software. And because I'm really lazy, I love software because it will do everything for you. And so like my final project was an Excel spreadsheet that was 200 pages when it was printed out. So it was like real, like 10 years ago, I knew like everything Excel could do. And so hence I make this piece of, you know, software for writers and, you know, I love like lists. I love just all the I, I think it's because I do have this ADHD brain where everything's just kind of like floating around like a hurricane. It's so nice to just get it out on paper and be like, okay, that is here. The way that I define organization is the ability to answer questions. And it's so nice when you can answer a question you need answered right now. Like your editor emails you back and says, you know, mm-hmm. hey, did you, when did you send that in? And you can just answer them. You don't, I grew up with a lot of stress about like, I'm about to be in trouble. I'm wasting time. Like it's this quality of time. So um, I wanted to help writers use their time well for creativity and to really not waste so much time on self-doubt, which we all have and feeling there's no space for them, which we all have, and just figure out like what is the BS and what is the real thing and to help them stick as closely to the real thing and enjoy the life. I mean, that's all we really are just like, I think I'll like this, you know? As much as we joke about how terrible blah, 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 everything <laughs> is, which I'm game for, but ultimately we do it because we like it. True. True. Yes. <laughs> we have to remember that. We feel, we feel fulfilled when we do it. You know, even if it is not as easy as we might've thought it was. In the book, you talk a lot about writing every day-ish, as you said. So when did you figure that out? And did you see like, does that correlate a lot to when you started getting published? Like the discipline of actually writing to getting published? So I was pretty lucky when I first was like, oh, I'm going to be a writer. And I went to our little Peace Corps library in the Capitol on one of my many trips into the Capitol to party with my friends. And there was The Artist's Way and Bird by Bird. Oh, yes. Bird by Bird Library, Which is like, if you want to hit on two just amazing books to read, that's like fantastic. Especially in the beginning of your career. Like I read those like 10 years ago. I was like, like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. uh. So I I started doing Julia Cameron's morning pages, three pages, just feeling dumb, just being like, I don't know. What am I doing? Blah, blah, blah. But like, you just get used to. So you started out writing every day, pretty much. Like you decided you're going to do this. I mean, I was in Peace Corps. There wasn't like a ton going on. You know, you have a, if there's one thing you're rich in, unless you're like my friend who literally had to wash her clothes by hand every day, which I, I lived in like a cute little town. We had a cyber cafe. It wasn't like, I was not in, you know, 
in the kind of place people picture when you picture Peace Corps. We had a washing machine, although you had to drag it out into the backyard to use it. And all it did was like agitate your clothes. <laughs> so, you know, one thing you have in Peace Corps usually is time. Okay. And so I would, uh, yeah, just try to write every day and write my blog. One of the first things I did was sign myself up for a talent show to read a story. It was in three months. So I had something to write and I ended up writing a satire piece. Uh, it was a romance novel scene set in Peace Corps. That was like a satire and how gross we all were. And so it was like romance, but it was disgusting. <laughs> like I need to be like, he like feels her legs like you shaved this month. And that was like super fun. And because I was like so scared and I had set out this thing, like I'm going to read something in front of people. I worked really hard on it for like three months. That's pretty cool that you set that goal so early on. Like you made a decision. I mean, you talk about your ADHD brain, but like, honestly, you set a, a goal and you like went for it. I feel like a lot of writers go, man, I'm going to let five years go by. <laughs> I mean, I call them, this is what I call fake outs in my book and they're fake stakes. It's an answer to the question, what would happen if I didn't write today? And if you don't have an answer to that question, you're much more likely to just turn on Netflix, spend your time on Twitter, which like guilty, guilty, but it's like, okay, well, my, my workshop is tomorrow. And like, you know, okay, I have a workshop with writers. I respect, I don't want to come in there BSing like, I didn't do my work. Like I'm a sixth grader, you know? Yeah. And so you have to have a slightly scary, it's kind of like, so like having a, a writing coach, like, well, I threw down, you know, and made this investment in myself that I'm going to have a writing coach. Am I going to waste that? Yeah. Cause I don't feel like writing like, no, I better get to it. So you have to light a fire under your butt. And I'm always doing that with classes, with groups, talent shows. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> idea. Like talent show, but yeah. Readings, open mic nights, you know, anything. And they'll, they'll work for a while and then they'll kind of drop off. I find, and I'm like, okay, I need a new fake out. Yeah. And so I, I always have one going. That's literally my biggest secret of my writing life is just to always have a fake out going and a reason to get me to write today. I really like that because yeah, a novel can take 10 years and essay can take two years and that's fine. But in the meantime, to like hone your craft and to keep writing and to keep finding other ways to like find that writing self within you, that those different voices mm -hmm. we have, that is a great way. And really no one else is going to do it except for us. Cause there is no, yeah. unless you're like in some sort of, workshop at Indiana state or something. <laughs> it is just us doing it. So in 2016, you had a, an essay go viral. How was that? Mm -hmm. How did that, did that feel like you so, arrived or something? What does that feel like? So that came out of a fake out where in late 2015, I felt like my writing life wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and so I asked my friend, like, can we do an essay exchange? And so once a month on our calendars, it just says in all caps, are you even a writer? Cause like we were talking about how we we're like, often are writing like, am I even a writer anymore? Am I even a writer? So I just said, are you even a writer? And that day we had to get each other an essay. And this essay came out of that. And I had no idea that it was going to go like bananas bonkers. And it was called, a, I called it fuck off fund. The publication called it a story of a fuck off fund, which is fine, I guess. And it had to do with the fact, or it was like probably a fable, or I wonder how it would actually be categorized, but it was just kind of a story about a young woman going through life, getting kind of sucked into consumerist culture, and then having sexual harassment and domestic abuse issues without a fuck-off fund, without enough money mm -hmm. to tell someone to fuck off if the fuck-off is deserved. Um, and then replayed how that would go if she had that money in the bank, you know, to get another job, to get another place, to take care of herself. 
And so due to the shocking prevalence of sexual harassment and domestic abuse and the gender wage gap, <laughs> it, you know, went crazy viral. Yeah. I don't think it was like a hundred percent the writing. I think it was these issues, but the essay touched on those issues and yeah, it was super fun. Luckily, you know, I was already kind of into spirituality and meditation. And so it was nice to like ride that wave and also be like, all right, this is a little moment in the sunshine and it will go away at some point. So just kind of bask in it and enjoy. It's not you, but it's cool. I, you know, all the people I met, I always joke that it, I was trying to climb literature mountain, just like at the base. And it just zip lined me over to the top of personal finance, media mountain. <laughs> all of a sudden I was like, <laughs> meeting all these people who, you know, I hadn't heard of them two weeks ago. And then we're walking around a conference for, you know, personal finance and and media. And people are like coming up and like fangirling them. I was like, do you have a blog or something? You know, and then I see how they have like a million followers. I was like, oh, okay. You know, cause it's like these different worlds that people are in, right? right. Where that's, it's the same way where I was at AWP one time and we're driving down in a taxi and I was like, oh, there's Charles Baxter. And the cab driver's like, who, yes. you know? Yeah. So what I've learned from especially the women that I met in this group, women like Aaron Lowry and Kristen Wong and Amanda, who goes by Dumpster Doggy on social media, Paula Pant, you know, I went to a retreat with them and it was so funny. Literally one time I went to go at a conference and like sat down with them and I went to get money at the ATM and I had negative $200 in my bank account. And I was like, of course, like I'm about to go have lunch with Susie Orman of my generation. And I'm like, Ooh, what's my credit card balance. <laughs> and at one conference, like they made me double my rates. So they've taught me so much about business mm. and finance. And that has kind of become my role now where I come back to the writing world, back to literature mountain. And I'm like, Hey, let's all get a little more savvy about business so we can take care of ourselves and we can afford all these unpaid hours of studying our craft and reading and creating. And it's very time consuming. So you got to buy that time, especially if you want to live in places like Seattle. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that you wrote this story and you're very good at kind of this like coming, I, I don't know if you call it satire, but coming at a serious topic with this sense of humor of like, being almost flippant about it, but the reader being like, yeah, why is it like this? Like uh, the one that you wrote for McSweeney about what your brand was, my brand is not like not dying or something. What do you say? My personal brand is I don't want to die. <laughs> <I don't wanna laughs> die. <laughs> because we all, if you're a freelancer, there's, you know, healthcare is expensive and all these things. And you're like, you're coming at these serious topics. And this is a pretty serious topic of women who stay with people who they shouldn't because they don't have yeah. the means or they feel like they don't have the means. And we're in 2021 for crying out loud. I mean, 2016, right. Is that kind of like, okay, I wrote this. Wait, wait a minute. I need to double my rate so that I have this fund. I mean, who cares? You can make it as a retirement fund if you don't ever have to use it. Yeah, totally. I mean, just, I just always, you know, I always struggled with money stuff. I have a, you know, and I was on Paula Pant's podcast. And if you want to hear basically the financial memoir that I was going to sell, and I, I had just written the whole book proposal for a financial memoir. So all of these like financial memories were there and she totally Oprah'd me, you know, we were, her podcast is called Afford Anything. And she was just like, so what was money like in your childhood? I was like, oh, we're going there. I was like, all right, <laughs> buckle up. So, you know, it wasn't 
I think it's so important that we all remember that we don't talk about things because we've mastered them. Yeah. You know, I don't write about writing because like, yeah, got it done. I just, you know, I, I write a book in the same way that uh, the character did in Californication where I'm like, I need some money. Let me sit down and type in my computer or my typewriter and smoke some cigarettes. Whoop, here we go. Yeah. No, that's not my life. So that's none of our but, lives. You know, yeah. I write about money because it's always been hard for me and yeah. haven't, uh, I've been more like the the woman in the uh, first part of the essay rather than the second. Yeah. Yeah. I think most of it, unfortunately, most, most of us are there. That's why I say like your book, welcome to the writer's life. And of course the link will be in the show notes. It's like, it goes through all of that. It's so detailed. It's, but it's easy to read. Like, I don't want to give the wrong impression here. Like it's fun to read because you have a really great sense of humor you're truthful with writers, which I think is very important because sometimes mm-hmm. people don't want to tell the harsh truth of like, yeah, it's a lot of free hours because there's a lot yeah. of honing your craft. And sometimes when you start at like 30, like I did, you know, actually doing it, you're like, I don't have time for this, except that you don't have time to not do it because if you want to be a writer, you have to do it. So in, yeah. in your coaching, do you, do you do both of these things? Like do you only coach about writing? Do you also coach about the writing life? How does your coaching go? Yeah. So I'm actually developing a coaching program. Working title is powerhouse writers where it is like adding power, adding power to your craft, adding power over yourself and your own habits, and then adding your power to, to support yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just talking with uh, my friend Hamilton. I have a, a trainer who lives in Columbia. He's like my Spanish tutor trainer and, uh, and like physical trainer. (laughs) And, um, you know, we were, I was telling him, I have this kind of idea of a lemonade stand where it's like, I need to make money like today. Right. Right. And the first time I did it, I was like, Oh, I need to make some money like today. That was the year that I was writing my book and uh, I made $80 that day. And then now three years later, when I just needed a lemonade stand moment, because I've been building my brand and building this business around being a writer, when I needed to do that, I made $4,000 and I'm like, damn, that's power, right? That's I have more power than I did three years ago. And not in a way that's like, you know, like, Oh, power hungry. Right. (laughs) It's just the opposite of powerless is what I want for writers. There was a guy who wrote a book called from monk to money manager. He grew up in a toxic financial environment, became a monk to try to get away from money because he didn't want to have anything to do with money. Then his monastery went bankrupt oh, and he had to help the monastery get out of bankruptcy. They literally had like all the monks take out credit cards. It was, it's just the craziest story. And so he's like, you know, I realized you can't get away from money. Okay. Like we can all say like, I hate money. I don't want to deal with it. You have to mm-hmm. like you, it, this is how life is. Right. And so he says in that book, I want you to be a little bit wealthy. He's like, my goal for you is to be a little bit wealthy. And so I've really been working on this mindset, really acknowledging when money buys me time, Mm. buys me comfort, buys me safety. It's like money is a good thing. I am an embodiment of the writing tradition that's been part of the human experience Mm -hmm. for thousands of years. It's this mysterious and wonderful and cool thing that I participate in, right? In the same way that like a doctor might feel like, wow, I am part of the tradition of people who care and keep alive other humans. Mm -hmm. We are part of the tradition that passes on knowledge, that entertains people, that brings people together. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we evolved it. It's so important. There's a book called Wired for Story by Lisa Cron that explains that a little bit more, right? 
And you don't have to be like this individual thing about it. Like I'm greedy. It's like, I am supporting the arts when I support myself. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, I just want to be a little bit wealthy. So I don't have to worry about retirement. You know, there's, there's a lot, we live in a society that will leave you for dead on the street. Yes. (laughs) And like, that was what my article in mixed meetings is about. So like, it's not, you know, if anyone comes up to me with like sellout talk, it's just like, okay, sit down. Right. Oh, like no I, I want to sit down and read this piece and mix me, but I just want to live. And so, yeah, I, I want to see writers not be afraid of branding, not be afraid of social media, not be afraid to get their work out there, not be afraid to empower themselves with these tools of business that don't have to be a scary thing. Like business can be a really beautiful thing. I started a business during quarantine called a very important meeting, which I founded with April Davila, Mm -hmm. who's a novelist. And, you know, we, it's payment optional and we provide a come in, we say hi for five minutes. We do a 10 minute mindfulness practice. And then we all write together for 45 minutes silently. And then we chat for like 15 minutes afterwards. And it is like the best, coolest thing. And it's part of how we support ourselves. And it's just a beautiful, it's, it's a creation, right? right? In the same way that our stories are a creation. And so business doesn't have to be this like takey thing, which we live in a culture where a lot of people are completely willing to destroy the earth, kill people, have their employees not be able to make a living wage. So we can take that and say business is evil, but business is as natural as storytelling. Humans have been doing it forever. Right. And we all have to take care of ourselves. And so we can't be afraid of it. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you say that. I think, yeah, we tend to make things black and white all the time. Like just because that Mm -hmm. group over there makes really poor decisions (laughs) doesn't mean that money in itself is evil. Like we, it's like, it's an exchange for something else, right? So if you are Mm -hmm. going to be willing to set up every week or however many times a week you do a very important meeting, Like you're willing to be there. You're going to be there, right? As the organizer and you are going to be sitting there and writing and be willing to chat with other people to exchange, like give my gratitude. Like what else can you do other than pay you something? Because I'm all the way in DC, you're in Seattle. Like I'm not going to send you a chicken like a thousand years ago. I might have, you know, like things evolve and change. And I, yeah, we, it's just like when you write a book, people want to read it, they pay $5. Like it's not, (laughs) it's just the exchange of, I like to see as thank you. Well, thank you for this book. I'm going to give you $5 in gratitude for for all your hard work. It's probably worth more. (laughs) Your work is (laughs) is worth more. So you're a coach. You also have a very important meeting. Obviously your whole life revolves around writing now. Mm -hmm. This is awesome. I think, did you ever think (laughs) that you would get there when you were on that bus looking at that girl? Handing out her poetry. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's so funny because I spend so much time thinking about like the fantasy life of like, right. am I do- still, it's constantly like, am I doing enough? Am I spending enough time in the real creative, creative space, right? That writing that is just for the writing itself. And that's why I started getting up at five in the morning because I was like, okay, this is like my secret time. No one else is awake. There's something that does feel like it's like your own little like clubhouse of time. But, you know, I am constantly trying to get to that place where it's like just sitting, lounging, writing my feelings. 
Is anyone lounging right in their feelings and getting paid for that? Virginia not- Woolf. I'm not um, even sure she got paid for it during her lifetime in the right way, right? I think her estate benefits from it more than anything. I know, right? So yeah, no, it's it's it is it's always gonna be so different than what you thought, right? right? And I don't just want to write about money all the time. And I don't just want to talk about money all the time. And, you know, I don't, but I, I'm constantly guarding that and saying, Hey, you know, you're going to kind of veer in these directions. And I think that getting some admin help really helped with that. And to really, you know, anyone who works with me, they know like, this is my goal. I'm a writer. And so that I value that and to not apologize. And I think my biggest thing is I would love to be reading two hours a day. I think at the level I really want to be writing, that's the amount that I should be reading and trying to figure out like, how do we bring that into my life? And what's tempting is to just read business books, right? Like for something, but I want to be reading art. I want to be making art. I want it to be soft and beautiful, like Bonnie Bear's song, Holocene. Whenever I listened to that song, I was like, I just want to write something that feels like this song. That's funny. The other day I was listening to music and I was like, I think of writing a song would be easier than a novel. And then I had to like, <laughs> you know, hit myself and be like, no, it's not. <laughs> Every writing is difficult in its own way. Yeah. So it's constantly like making space, but yeah, I, you know, it's, I, I love I love the entrepreneurship mm-hmm. side of it. Like I think entrepreneurship is so fun. So trying to just balance that and keep on track. And of course it looks so different. Um, my, one of my clients is Kirsten Jordan, who is the first female cast member on million dollar listing New York. Wow. And we were writing her book proposal together uh, a few weeks ago. I was in New York with her and her, one of her last chapters is about celebrating your success, no matter what it looks like. And I'm like, you know, I'm in here in New York with like Kirsten Jordan, who's a super powerful entrepreneur woman. And, you know, has taught me so much over the last year of working with her, wrote her book proposal. She's super happy with it. And so I like really took a minute to like celebrate, took myself out to lunch at a French restaurant, Mm -hmm. didn't sit on my phone, got myself a beautiful meal, got myself the like brute rosé, flute, a bubbly, and just like had a moment to celebrate, you know, and is it winning the Pulitzer? No. Is it, you know, like it's kind of that middle way of like grasping toward the plan, the plan, the plan, and then also letting life happen in the wild way that it's going to happen. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it looks, it certainly looks different than I thought, but like we have the power to like shape our path, you know, just because you've done something for a certain amount of time doesn't mean you're always going to do it. And you can, you're always, you always have to be kind of like looking up toward that mountain. Uh, Neil Gaiman has a great quote about that and like just whatever takes you closer to the mountain. Yeah. So I, I love that. And you yeah. know what? Rarely do you win two Pulitzer Prizes. So once you get there, if you got there at 25, what would you do afterwards? <laughs> this is what I tell oh, myself. Oh, yeah, I know. That would be terrible. <laughs> so we're, no. we're looking to like 50. And then, and then I'd be yeah, good. 50. You know, uh, you know, I just read where the crawdads sing and I looked up Delia Owens and I was like, please don't be 25. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and she absolutely was not, you know. And so I was like, okay, like we're playing the long game. We're not. Yes. We're not trying to be like K-pop stars, right? We're allowed to have wrinkles and and have wisdom. Like, right. what if we lived in a society that celebrated wisdom? How interesting would that be? That would be, be amazing. And yeah, I think <laughs> it, I think it's great to be in the arts and that you can constantly be evolving and constantly moving forward and constantly changing those contacts and all that stuff. So I think if you are a writer, you're you're already an entrepreneur, and you're probably a lot like mm-hmm. Paulette, where you're just like, you would be bored if you 
if you had just won the Pulitzer right away and then what what are you supposed to do afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> you'd mm-hmm. have to you'd have to match it you know like and that's a lot of pressure too. yeah it's better it, to go slow domestic treadmill would kick in yeah and then you would just be dissatisfied <laughs> then you'd have to meditate more if i have to go to a cave and in myanmar a monk. cave for a while <laughs> and be a monk and then realize you can't get away from your own mind. yes exactly <laughs> some stories to tell well, thank you so much, Paulette, for coming in and sharing your wisdom with us and your journey with us. I'm definitely going to have the all the links. You have tons of links in the show notes, but thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcoldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.